You're listening to Paws, Claws and Wet Noses, the vet podcast celebrating all creatures, great and small, and the fantabulous professionals who look after them all. Paws, Claws, Wet Noses is powered by Vet Staff, New Zealand's number one and only specialist recruitment agency that helps veterinary professionals find jobs in clinics where they're excited about going to work on Monday mornings. Vetstaff.co.nz Welcome to episode 114. I'm your show host, Julie South. Happy New Year. Here's to wishing you and yours all the absolute and most fantabulous year ahead that you could imagine. Happy New Year. One of the things in, or one of the happening things in the recruitment world in 2022 was the spotlight being shone, shone, shined, shone quite brightly on diversity. I'm sure you don't need me to explain why having a team full of people with different strengths makes for a stronger team and a more profitable clinic. So I'm not going to go into that here today. However, if this is something that you're not familiar with, please let me know, julie at vetstaff.co.nz, and I'll cover it in another episode for you. Today, however, we're going to look at five of the 16 different unconscious biases I've identified we all have when it comes to interviewing. There are squillions of them, but We're just going to look at 16 and only five today and how these can play out during the recruitment process and what you can do to mitigate these. The end result of all of them is the same. You may end up discounting and or overlooking the best person for your clinic's vacancy. Or you may discount a job that's your dream job if you're the job seeker. So even though in this episode I'm referring to what can happen from the clinic interviewer side of things equally, job seekers can have the exact same unconscious biases. It doesn't matter which side of the new job process you're coming from. Everything applies to both sides. If you haven't already done so, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Pretty much most days we upload educational type posts, including what I'm going to be talking about today, which means that you'll learn something new each day, hopefully, across a whole range of recruitment type topics. You may be thinking that you've got no unconscious biases like me. Um, I thought that too until I actually started studying it and it's like, oh my gosh. So you may be thinking that you've got no unconscious biases and that you can trust your intuition. Now, I respectfully I respectfully challenge you on that. I'm all for you trusting your intuition as veterinary professionals. You have hundreds and sometimes even thousands of hours of training behind you to recognize when something isn't quite right as a veterinarian, veterinary nurse, or veterinary technician. But please, I caution you to ignore any intuitive feelings you might have when it comes to interviewing, which either side of the fence you're on, and recruiting. Simply because you probably don't have those same hundreds or even thousands of hours of experience 
under your recruiting belt or job-seeking belt to trust the same way that you can trust your intuition in surgery. When it comes to recruitment, you want to make your team stronger than it currently is or was before. This means that you need to make business decisions, and business decisions aren't so much about gut or intuitive feelings. The reason we each have our own form of intuition is because it's been built up over years and years of our own personal, conscious, and most importantly, unconscious biases. If you've spent any time working remotely over the last two or three years, as some practice and HR managers have through the various lockdowns that we've had, then it's quite possible that your biases are stronger than before, or you may have developed, heaven forbid, a few more. For example, whether your clinic had vaccine mandates in place or not, or didn't, you know, did you or didn't you? And or any challenges that came about then, you may have developed a new bias because of and from those times. So how do you know whether your clinic has been historically affected from unconscious recruitment bias? It doesn't matter whether your clinic has set diversity goals. Many clinics still unconsciously have and practice recruitment bias, especially because of the veterinary professional shortage we're in right now. Even though clinics tell themselves that good fit is what's important, sometimes they'll overlook not so good fits through an unconscious conscious bias in order to have someone extra on the team. You've probably heard of the term pale stale male. It's a syndrome. Now it's highly likely this isn't the case with veterinary professionals given around 75 or 80 percent especially in New Zealand of veterinary professionals are female but it's definitely something to be aware of especially because of the type professional market that we're in right now. We all have, as I said earlier, our own unconscious biases. Hiring managers, practice HR, lead vets, head nurses, everyone, me, we have, and you, we have our own unconscious biases. Because they're unconscious, it means we don't always recognize them ourselves. They're our blind spots. Recruitment biases are perpetuated in clinic when someone resigns because straight away, especially if the person resigning is considered the dream team member, the ideal, then everyone looks to replace that ideal person. The mental picture has already been formed. This is when using an external recruitment agency becomes an investment. Why? Because we're able to challenge the ideal candidate bias for you and with you. There are many ways ideal team member plays out in unconscious biases and we're going to cover those. I think you might be surprised at how ideal, and I use that in air quotes, how ideal manifests itself. Now, apart from the fact that New Zealand's Human Rights Act makes it unlawful to discriminate, which is mildly what an an unconscious bias is, it also compromises your clinic's ability to be the best it could possibly be. At this point, you're probably saying, but Julie, I just need vets and nurses to keep my clinic open. I hear you. I absolutely hear you. And even with that, I want you to still consider how unconscious bias might play out in your clinic. I'm sure you don't need me to remind you that diverse teams and therefore clinics are more successful. 
but much depends and relies on the attitude of lead vets, head nurses, practice managers and HR managers when they are hiring or you are hiring and recruiting. Diversity training is one way to help overcome personal bias. Another way is when you're recruiting. The more people who can be involved in the recruitment process at your clinic, the more likely it is, hopefully, that personal biases will be reduced and or at least challenged. First up is having the open-mindedness to consider and then accept that you might even be a teeny tiny insy-weeny bit unconsciously biased. Without that open-mindedness, you are doomed. If you're unsure what having a growth or an open mindset, an open-minded mindset looks like, then go back and listen to episode 11 of Pause Claws Wet Noses. It's entitled, How to Grow Your Veterinary Clinic, Growth Mindset versus Fixed Mindset. I will put the link to that in the show notes for this page if you haven't listened to it yet. It is possible to reduce cognitive bias, but it's something you need to stay on top of. Training is a good idea and accountability is paramount. Both of these, of course, won't happen without having a reasonably high level of psychological safety with all team members in clinic first. Incidentally, Recruiting for diversity starts with having a diverse recruitment team. I know that sounds obvious, but if you've only got one person doing the hiring, then how diverse is that? Having a recruitment team of one does not a diverse recruitment decision make. In other words, you need to start with a a collaborative recruitment process. And if you really want to go all out and truly put your diversity money where your mouth is, then blind hiring is the first step. Blind hiring is better done through a neutral third party like VetStuff, just saying, and it's where all and any information that could identify a job applicant is completely stripped from their CV. For example, and it's stripped if it's if you're doing it in-house, then it's stripped from a CV before it goes to those who are involved in the interview. And this includes, for example, age and experience. Now, for example, jobs with start and finish dates showing. And also, how many different jobs do you need to have on a CV? How many are truly relevant? If you go back to when you first graduated and the graduation might have been in the last century, then there's a bias that can start out there against age. Something else that could be stripped is ethnicity and how that can play out is the university and country of university. Think about it. All you need to know is that the applicant is eligible to be registered, either as a veterinarian or as a veterinary nurse. Ethnicity and gender that could be from someone's name. Research, and I'll put the links to this in the show notes, research on racial and gender bias found white-sounding names on CVs are 75% more likely to be invited to an interview than Asian-sounding names. White-sounding names on CVs are 50% more likely to be invited for an interview than black-sounding names. Masculine names are 40% more likely to be invited for an interview than feminine-sounding names. 
As an aside, there aren't many blind hiring stats available as it's a relatively new concept. However, back in 1952, a pilot project was pioneered by the Boston Symphony Orchestra. And that's what kind of kicked off blind hiring. Concerned by the low representation of women in their orchestras, they had musicians audition behind a screen. This system spread across orchestras in the USA and saw an increase in female musicians appointed increase from fewer than 5% in the 1970s to more than 25% in the 1990s. Another way to reduce bias is to ensure every candidate, so make sure this is a standard operating procedure at your place, make sure every candidate is asked the same interview questions and that the interview process is structured. This ensures everyone is hopefully measured to the same standard. Writing unbiased job advertisements is also part of the procedure as well, but that's a whole other topic and a skill in itself. So now let's look at the first five biases and prejudices to look out for. Number one is confirmation bias, and that's everyone, every single person, is quick to pass judgment. We're all guilty of it. We all make snap decisions based on perceived truths and then spend the rest of the time, consciously or unconsciously, trying to justify our biased decision. You'll know you're guilty of confirmation bias when you find yourself asking irrelevant questions. This is confirmation bias playing out because you're trying to elicit answers that support your initial assumption about the vet or the nurse you're interviewing. You're doing this because you want to prove to yourself and then someone else who might be involved in the hiring process at your clinic that your initial assessment is correct. It could be that they're a great fit or they won't fit. But just check yourself if you start asking irrelevant questions or you notice somebody else asking irrelevant questions. Confirmation bias goes both ways, wanting someone on your team or proving that they're not a good fit for your team. If you're interested in some research, it was undertaken by the British Psychological Society, and I'll provide the abstract linked to the show notes of this episode. The research demonstrated 60% of interviewers will make a decision about a candidate's suitability within 15 minutes, one five, a quarter of an hour of meeting them. Some will have it even before the interview even happens. The original research is entitled, How Quickly Do Interviewers Reach Decisions? An Examination of Interviewers' Decision-Making Time Across Applicants. And it was by Rachel Frieda, Chad van der Idekinger, and Patrick Raymark. And it was first published in April 2015. They collected data from 166 interviewers who interviewed 691 applicants at a university career centre. The second bias to look out for is called effect heuristics bias. If you're not familiar with the term heuristic, heuristics from a psychology perspective, because there are other heuristics as well, are rules of thumb that can be applied to guide decision making based on a more limited subset of the available information. Heuristics rely on less information and are therefore assumed to facilitate faster decision making than strategies that require more information. 
Effect heuristics come into play with personal biases around, for example, appearance. An interviewer might see something physical about a candidate, a job seeker, and they're immediately, and they have immediately judged them, consciously or unconsciously, that they are suitable or even unsuitable for a job. It's a virtually instantaneous judgment that then clouds and affects every other aspect of the interview process. For example, a vet or a nurse might have all the skills and experience required to do the job. They know how to find veins. They can do a large bitch spay almost blindfolded. And they know how to stay calm when everything around them is falling apart. But they have a visible tattoo. Or maybe they even have no tattoos when everyone else in the clinic does. Or maybe they're slightly overweight or they're super healthy. Or they have body piercings or dreadlocks or they're big bearded or the opposite, completely shaven, anything. Maybe their first name is spelt in an unusual way. Whatever it is, the interviewer overlooks all of the positive and focuses only on their initial and first perception for better or worse. What plays out is that the interviewer, and this could be the practice manager or the HR manager, the lead vet or the head nurse, or it could be the candidate looking at any of those people, and they mentally take shortcuts to reach a conclusion about the job applicant's ability to do the job. And it's without carefully considering all the evidence first. If you are the job seeker and you've made a a, a snap judgment like this, you may be because the person interviewing you has whatever, you may be doing yourself out of a great job. Quite simply, the applicant or the interviewer is being judged as suitable or unsuitable for a position based on superficial factors that have no relevance whatsoever in how they'd be able to perform. So that was number two, and that was around heuristics. Number three is the expectation anchor or anchoring bias. Expectation anchor or anchoring bias is when we allow ourselves to anchor, to focus on one certain piece of information about a job applicant and then use that factor to help us make decisions. In a vet clinic, this could manifest as wanting to replace a departing veterinarian or veterinary nurse with an exact carbon copy of that person. There are a couple of hiring biases that support this, not just anchoring, so beware, we'll cover them later. So just make sure that you're not focusing on one thing above everything else and then try to justify it. Number four is the halo effect bias. Now this is similar to anchoring. As it plays out when the interviewer focuses on one aspect they're impressed with to the extent that red flags are overlooked and or someone who might be equally suitable is discounted. The halo effect could apply to any number of insignificant factors. For example, you could have similar sporting interests or grow up in the same neighborhood or maybe you went to the same school or university. When the halo effect results in other, perhaps lack of competencies being overlooked, the interviewer may attempt to short circuit the interview process because they believe that they've found the ideal person for the job. If, when, you start to see an applicant as glowing and or are head and shoulders above other applicants, 
double check that you haven't assigned a golden halo to them that's undeserving. You need to check competencies and skills. The opposite of that is known as the horn effect bias. And just like it sounds, the horn effect bias is, or the horn effect, is the absolute opposite of the halo effect. It plays out when you get stuck on something negative or bad about the applicant which you can't or won't move beyond. It casts a shadow over everything else. Those were the first batch of cognitive biases that play out during interview. I hope that you found it interesting and helpful. Tune in again next week where I'll cover off the remainder of these unconscious biases and steps you can put in place so hopefully you don't discount a great job applicant for your team or you don't turn down a great job that's being offered to you. Remember, if you'd like some unconscious bias training for your team, it doesn't have to be just for those who are doing interviews. Unconscious biases kick in where people interact with others. So please get in touch because this is something that we can help you with and we would love to help you with it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit that follow button. It's free and give it a five-star review wherever you're listening to it right now. Why? Because it makes a huge difference to helping the search algorithms serve it up for others to listen to. Thanks heaps. This is Julie South signing off and inviting you to go out there and be the most fantabulous version of you you can be. Kia kaha. Kakiti ano, God bless. Paws, claws, and wet noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet Staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, Vet Staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz